the banker said, you know, the usual, right? <laughs> do you have a job? No, I don't have a job. Uh, do you have collateral? No, I don't have collateral. You know, do you have credit? Not really. And, but the, here's what the banker said. The banker looked at me in my eyes, and I'll never forget this. And he said, with all due respect, you don't need to start this business. You need to go and get a job. Mm. And let me tell you something about me. Anyone listening, if you tell me I can't do something, it's going to be done. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My guest today is Kedma O. Oh. Kedma is dubbed the small business superhero. She's a fifth generation entrepreneur, has worked with more than 10,000 small businesses and inventors over the last two decades, and she's currently on tour promoting her new book, Target Funding, published through McGraw-Hill. Uh, Kedma and I got to know each other actually online. It was interesting. You know, she's got a, a big um, uh, LinkedIn following, and she's very identifiable because when you see her video, she has a cape on most times. And uh, I sort of uh, started watching a few of her videos, and then... Uh, we had an exchange online about a, a, what she did on negotiating and that she uh, uh, read my book and was kind enough to do a video on that. We sort of, you know, have established this, uh, this great LinkedIn relationship and I've been impressed by what she does. And now with her new book coming out, uh, which talks about types of deals, uh, it was really relevant to have her on this podcast. Kedma, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's so exciting. Thank you for having me. Well, so before we get into all the cool stuff that you do online and uh, how you help businesses and this book and all this kind of stuff, I want to take you back to when you were a little girl growing up. Uh, what did you want to be? Now, it's interesting. When I ask, this is the first question I ask on the podcast all the time. And like when I'm speaking to an investment banker or a ser serial yes. entrepreneur or whatever, you know, they yeah. almost never wanted to be that when they were growing up. Um, but in your case, I mean, maybe not a small business superhero, but did you want to be a superhero when you were a little girl? <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Always fascinated with Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. Um, the idea that you can be a superhero, except I took it to the extreme. I truly believe that you could watch that movie and become that person. Wow. Wow. That's great. Um, so it, it was there... Like, how did you envision that playing out? Or was there some other more, I don't know, call it conventional, uh, you know, type of uh, profession or job or whatever that you thought you uh, wanted to be at that time? Um, you know, I've always been fascinated with money, to be honest. Um, my favorite game has always and probably today is still Monopoly. Uh -huh. And so I always geared towards entrepreneurship because I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur. And so it fascinated me. Um, but I, at that young age, I didn't know too much. I, I started knowing a little bit more around my teenage because I had a chance to 
spend some time with my grandmother in Ireland, and she was an entrepreneur. She ran a fisherman's store in Dublin, Ireland. And I, I will never forget when she taught me how to use the, the cash register and you know how to deal with customers. And so it, it, I just for me, I was lucky at a young age to really be around entrepreneurship and, and really be inspired by powerful women. Well, how, how great is that? I mean, a fifth generation entrepreneur, it's interesting. So I've, I was sort of a born entrepreneur, but I don't know where I came from because not, <laughs> neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. They, you know, they worked with somebody for their entire lives wow. and so did everybody else I know in my family. So, uh, except for an uncle who I remember on the business, but uh, any case, so yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So what, what would you consider your, your first real business, whatever that, however you define that? Yeah. I'd say my first real business was um, something called Stepping Stone Spa Resorts. Um, it was back in Tucson, Arizona, many, many years ago when there was a huge surge for um, spas. So if you, ha if you were in Tucson, you have Miraville, you had Canyon Ranch, Lowe's Ventana. But the problem was, is that I was in love, and to, the, to this day still, in love with bed and breakfast. Mm. Anywhere I travel, I love the feeling, the, ho the, the homey feeling that I get. And yet there was no bed and breakfasts that I had come across that had a spa experience. So I thought to myself, why don't I do a bed and breakfast spa? And actually, there's a whole story behind this in my book because, you know, I was so naive at that time, but I put a business plan together and I um, went ahead and went to the bank and asked for $300,000. Um, and of course, you know, the banker said, you know, the usual, right? <laughs> do you have a job? No, I don't have a job. Uh, do you have collateral? No, I don't have collateral. You know, do you have credit? Not really. And, but the, here's what the banker said. The banker looked at me in my eyes, and I'll never forget this. And he said, with all due respect, you don't need to start this business. You need to go and get a job. Mm. And let me tell you something about me. Anyone listening, if you tell me I can't do something, it's going to be done. Watch out. Watch out. And so I went back and I started thinking about, okay, how do I get this money? How do I do this, you know, find $300,000? And then I had an aha moment. The aha moment was, I don't need to create a whole spa resort. All I need to do is find a top bed and breakfast and go to them and say, I have a spa system. I have a spa team and let's work together. And that's how my business began. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I, I mean, there's so many things I love about it. One is it, it's that, you know, when somebody tells you no, it's, it fuels you as opposed to, you know, yes. uh, you know, knocks you down. And, you know, I feel like uh, every great entrepreneur, um, I mean, and, and by the way, I, I don't want to make it seem like it doesn't mean that we may not uh, feel, you know, down or defeated or whatever for a day or two or, you know, a week or whatever. But, you know, uh, but so I don't want to, you know, make it for people who uh, were human, right? But, yes. but, but, but that, but the fact that that ultimately fuels us and the idea that we're going to prove them wrong or that, you know, even better that, you know, we're going to make it happen no matter what they think. They're, they're the ones who can't see it. I, I tell the story a lot. Um, when I, uh, when I left, uh, uh, you know, big New York City firm law practice, uh, and it was 1992, and it was a recession time, and everybody was hanging on to their jobs, you know, and, and I just voluntarily decided to leave and open my own firm. 
the far majority of people told me I was crazy. I shouldn't do it. What are you doing? It's a horrible economy. You know, you don't have any clients. You, yeah. you know, you, how are you going to make it? And um, three years later, when I had a grand opening party of an office that I that I opened after, you know, working sort of out of my apartment in temporary space or whatever, and the, you know, we we got like thirty five hundred square feet on the uh, down, wow. of, down of forty Wall Street on the on the seventy uh, second floor or whatever, and that wow. was that was the thirty some floor, whatever it was, you know, view of Statue of Liberty. And all these same people came to that party and told me how they knew I was going to be successful, and they didn't remember that they told me not to do it. Exactly. It's because people only look through at things through their own eyes, through their own experience. If they, if they wouldn't do it, they they think you should should not can't do it. Um, so uh, yeah, it sounds like you're you're similar to me in that that, that yeah. I love the fact that that fuels you. I love the yes. fact that um, that you had these entrepreneurial examples, and I love the fact that uh, that you know Wonder Woman. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> to me with the new Wonder Woman that came out. I, I really got in touch with how meaningful Wonder Woman was to so many women I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it because Gadot is uh, Israeli and I am Israeli as well. So I really relate to her in so many ways. But, you know, what to me, what I get from the superhero films is the idea. First of all, you and I have seen this in all the experience we've had. How many superheroes are living, you know, with every single day that we see and we don't acknowledge them? Yeah. We acknowledge these actors, no offense, that, you know, may not necessarily be, you know, they may be great as actors, but they may not be doing the amazing things happening in our community. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So that's what I want to honor. I love that. So, so give us just a, give us a few minutes before we get to the book specifically, just mm-hmm. in general, you know, you thought we talked about in your intro about how many entrepreneurs you've helped yes. and all that kind of stuff. But so explain to our listeners exactly what you do other than put out amazing videos on, 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 <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> I love that. So I am, I'm a business consultant. I've been in the field 20 years. I weave in and out of economic development because in the, in the framework of being a superhero, your job in life is to level the playing field and really support justice, right? Social justice, economic justice. And so in, to do that, you can't just play you know, in the nonprofit world or the for-profit world. Sometimes you have to play in the political world and yeah. help change legislation issues that could be impacting small businesses. Unfortunately, most small businesses can't hire a lobbyist. So I call the superheroes of the world, the advocates, the lobbyists, the people who are representing for the good of of everyone. It doesn't mean that everyone may win, but they should have a a shot at it. They should have an opportunity. So I have worked, I mean, every possible industry, every possible phase of business, and I thrive on it. Uh, and actually, just last month, I just onboarded um, for an incredible organization where now I'm doing the same work, but in the home services industry, because there's a lot of work to be done to elevate the home services industry and really make sure that there is more women and more minorities that are in the CEO level, that are entrepreneurs making it, not at the ground level, but they're actually, you know, growing up and, and being very successful. You know, there's this, this saying in the home services industry is where are the women CEOs? Yeah. And, and, right? and not only that industry, <laughs> in most right, industries. Right. In most industries. So, you know, I, so I, I purposely choose to put intention in my work that's more than just helping 
one client, but really trying to move the dial in an industry. Mm. I love that. You know, uh, we, we can talk about this more offline uh, <laughs> uh, because, uh, but I'll, I will just say, uh, I need to introduce you to my wife. You two oh, know each other. Yes. Uh, and we'll talk about it off the podcast. I mean, she, <laughs> she, she has an entrepreneurial training and development company that works with, um, with cultural creative entrepreneurs, people wow. who change, change, basically change makers and people looking to make a positive difference in the world. And, yes. and she's actually yes. got a book coming up in January as well. So uh, yes. t- talking about books, uh, so let's talk about it. I and mean, obviously uh, your, your background's fascinating. The way you work with entrepreneurs is fascinating. Um, this is a deals podcast. And uh, yes. you know, so uh, target funding, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about, you know, you, you, you related your own experience with going into a bank. <laughs> I mean, yes. tell, you, tell you that's, a, you know, yeah, no collateral, no whatever, no loan. Right. <laughs> so, um, so talk to us about uh, what you talk about in, in, in target funding and what uh, opportunities that uh, those kind of things make available to entrepreneurs yeah. to, to get funding for their businesses. Well, you know, I, I have to bring you back to a quick story of why the book is even in fruition, why it happened. Great. So, um, you know, if I took you back to the year 2000, if you and I w- went back in a time machine, which would have been cool, uh, you would have unfortunately found me in Tucson, Arizona, sitting on a curb, sobbing my eyes out because mm. I had just filed bankruptcy. Wow. Now, when you think about the kind of people who file out bankruptcy, I'm a well-educated woman. I have a master's in business. But the reality is, is people file bankruptcy usually for three reasons. Either they've had a job crisis or a business loss, mm-hmm. or they've had a health crisis. Cancer is probably in the top one. Yep. Or they've had a divorce. More women file bankruptcy for divorce than anything else. Yeah. So I found myself in this third category, you know, and you know, an educated woman had to walk away out of a difficult situation, sobbing my eyes out, thinking to myself, what's going, what's going to happen to me? Because everything we do, at least in the U.S., is tied to credit, Yeah. right? And all of a sudden, you have this tarnish. And here's what happened. I went back to my apartment, and I thought to myself over the few weeks, you know, what's next? And I get this envelope. Literally, it's like magic. From Capital One, I open it up and it said, we're giving you a $200 credit card. Now, I don't know if you remember, I said to you my favorite game growing up was Monopoly. I don't know if you recall if you've ever played Monopoly, but do you remember when you go around the board, how much you receive every time you go around the board? Every time you pass go is $200, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I started jumping up and down that I'm back in the Monopoly game. <laughs> I'm back in. And I scream in my apartment, Capital One, thank you, because I knew that I was back in the game. And then I had an aha moment, which was, what if I go on a journey to discover all the money and funding and resources that were available to people in my situation? Mm. You know, good people, but people who had had a crisis. They weren't bank ready. Uh, investors probably didn't want them, but they deserve the American dream like everyone else. Yeah. So I went on a 15-year journey and I essentially uncovered the variables, which is what my book is about, we'll talk about. And I started helping literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people break through and figure out target funding so they can win. So that's how the book came about. I, I love that story. I mean, first of all, thanks for sharing your personal journey, which yes. is always um you know, very moving. And, and it's funny because, um, you know, so sometimes people have this thing about like, uh, who am I to 
make a video? Who am I to write a book? Yes. Who am I to whatever? And the one thing that we all have, I mean, some of us may have other advantages, some of us may have education, some of us may have, you know, business success, whatever, but everybody's got a life journey and yes. everybody, and we've all learned lessons from that. And I'm always, yes. I'm always moved and impressed by people who take their life journey and not only improve themselves, but then uh, use that as uh, fuel and motivation and, you know, to, to make it, uh, to play a game bigger than themselves and make a difference for others. Exactly. Yeah. So that was my story. And so target funding, I'll just tell you quickly, um, it's very similar to target marketing. When we, when we hear the term target marketing, what does that mean for you? When I, when I say that. Um, that you focus on a particular niche yes. you know, or area that you, you, you're going to target. Exactly. So I look at target funding this way. Typically, when we're working with clients, if we had the image right now of a pizza pie, because I like pizza, right? We have an image of a pizza pie. Most people see target just plain funding as one actual um, funding source as the entire pie. They'll come to me and say, I want the lender. I want the investor. And what I look at is I look at the pie as 12 slices. Mm. Every single slice is a different funding source. So when we look at target funding, we're looking at variables that fit the particular business. So I'll, I can give a quick example if it helps. Yeah, that would be great. Please do. Okay. So let's say I'm working with someone who is based in Atlanta, Georgia, happens to be Hispanic and a woman and served in the military. And they've come up with a technology-based business um, that focuses on communica communication uh, through, through engagements online, but they have a passion in also maybe serving the autism community. Mm -hmm. Every single piece of what I just said can be tied to funding. Yeah. There's funding for women, Hispanic, um, autism support, technology. Military. Uh, military, exactly. Yeah. And so what I did and how I figured the game is instead of going and saying, well, we're going to go to the bank. No, we targeted the needs that the client wanted based on the variables unique to them and then went after the funds. Wow. You know, it, it's, it, there's so many things about that that excite me. Um, the, you know, in my intro, you, you've heard it and the, my yes. listeners have heard it. I say we discuss everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals you can do even without significant capital. Yes. And, and one of the things that I often talk about is the myths around, like so, some small business uh, owners think, entrepreneurs think that uh, if they don't have significant capital, they can't do deals. Well, first of all, there's many deals you can do without any capital. Yes. But, then, but then also, I love this conversation, like, uh, that there are also, uh, you know, people think about bank loans, and they've heard about mm -hmm. maybe venture capitalists and private equity. But beyond that, a lot of people don't know all the other options out there, and there are so many. So, exactly. you know, this is, it, it's great. Yeah, so your book is providing a great service. So, um, so give us some, uh, so, you know, talk to us a little bit more about some examples, uh, you know, sure. these loan programs, grant programs, all kinds, you know, what, what, like how do they show up? Uh, so, uh, right. You know, uh, are they governmental? Are they, you know, what, all the different <laughs> sectors? I mean, I, I'm somewhat familiar with this, but you're the experts. So tell, let, let's hear. So to your point, it could be all over. It could be, um, you know, government grants, but government grants, it could also be local, state. It could be assigned to a nonprofit agency. It could be a for-profit organization trying to increase a certain, uh, you know, demographic, mm -hmm. uh, or it could be, you know, so it, it is everywhere. Here's what I tell anyone I'm working with. 
there is every single day of the week a funding party happening in multiple places. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is most people don't have a ticket to the party and they can't even crash the party because they don't know the party exists. Right. Right. So, so, and to your point, one of the things we deal with all the time is it's not that the funding is not there because I can, I will give you some real examples. It's when the funding shows up, you only have a period of time to go after it. Mm -hmm. So you have to be mindful. You have to have someone or yourself monitoring the funding, knowing when it comes out and then applying for it. Here's an example. A few months ago in our state, I'm based in Oregon. There was a very unique program that just came out out of an organization called Prosper Portland. And it was a very tight window. I think it was about three weeks to apply. And it was, I think, about $25,000 as a grant per year for five years. Mm. That's $125,000. Here were the variables. They were looking for people who had uh, businesses in Portland. So that was the first variable. You had to be a for-profit. It was not open to nonprofit. Second variable, you had to be in business at least a year. You know, they want a year or less. They wanted more of a startup. So, mm -hmm. you know, you couldn't do it if it was 10 years. Uh, you had to have something that you needed, like working capital, not like bad debt. So, you know, maybe a website or consulting, something that they could help with. So that's four variables already. Fifth variable, you had to be black or African-American. Mm -hmm. Sixth variable, you had to be in the marijuana or cannabis business. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So it, the people who knew about it or had the advocates who knew about it applied and got it. The people who didn't know about it that were in the same category who had the variables and didn't apply, didn't get it. Right. And That's one example. I love that. And, 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 and most of them probably still don't even know that there was something even to get. Exactly. So they can't crash the party. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. It's amazing. I, the other thing, it may, I mean, it makes me think about is, is a totally I mean, a different example, but it just brings me back. I, you know, I used to be very, very active with the Hunger Project. Yes. Um, and the Hunger Project uh, empowers people to end their own hunger. It doesn't feed people. Um, uh, not, and not that feeding people in an emergency is not appropriate, but it's not a long-term solution. Uh, so, um, and in, in uh, you know, I spent time in Ghana and Uganda, and in those mm. places, there were a lot of variables around, you know, being able to grow things and access to water and, yes. you know, a bunch of stuff. And, um, but it, then I also spent some time in India. And in India, um, in this one, one of the particular states in India where, where, where we, we, we spent most time, it was really, really interesting because there was, there were actually, you know, and in, 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 in most of the countries in Africa, like in Ghana and Uganda, where I was, there was very few government programs and assistance even available. But India, there was like an unbelievable number of government programs available. The problem was people in the villages had no idea they existed, how to access them. And, and, you know, so it's the same thing that you're talking about here. Yes. And then the other piece that they had, which, I'm, which is true as well here, and I'd love you to talk about this a little bit. Let's say, you know, you also that every one of these applications, processes, RFPs, whatever it is, is totally different. And if you don't know how to handle those, you can even find out about it, but then it's daunting to go through the process. Yeah, let me talk about that. It all depends. Actually, most of the for-profit grants that we find are not as daunting. Not as, right. Only nonprofit, yes, because I've come from the nonprofit world. You're right, 60, 70, 80 pages. But because they want to get them through and the timeline is short, usually it's one to 10 pages and it's usually the same information. That's great. Yeah, so usually it's like 
equivalent to a slide deck. You know, what's your, what's your product? What's your service? What are you interested in? What are you doing for the community? What's your finance look like? And so we tell our clients, just have that ready to go. Right. Right. Love it. G- give it, give us a couple of, because I think, um, this is going to be so new to a lot of uh, yes. businesses and because, more examples. Yeah. And because yes, uh, it's going to be so helpful. Give us a couple more examples. Okay. So let me tell you one that's really fun it, and something that I apply. I've applied to many. So I'll tell you two of them that are really cool. So there's a term. So the problem we have with funding is I always tell my clients before they ever come and see me, because they usually come and see me after they're frustrated. Right. They, they like to visit um, Mr. and Mrs. Google. I don't know if you know who they are, <laughs> but they are online and they make this assumption that Mr. and Mrs. Google knows everything. Right. So they key in the word grant and they get 60 million hits. Yes. They don't know why they can't find the money. It's because the money is hidden in keywords. So one of the keywords I will share with your audience is something called forgivable loan. Mm. It is actually a loan. You will not find it as a grant. A couple of years ago, because I have three beautiful kids, amazing kids. I have uh, currently, they're, they're, one is a teenager and two are under 10 and under. If you have three kids, you're paying a lot of money for daycare. Sure. Right? So at the time when I did the numbers, we were paying as a family about $2,500 a month for daycare. That didn't make sense. So I decided hey, Kadma, why don't I start my own daycare? <laughs> so I start my own daycare on top of everything else, and I enroll my kids. I then, if you know anything about daycare, you know that daycare requires um, a ratio. You can't just have one attended for 30 kids. It doesn't work that way. Right. So you have to have ratio. I found a, a forgivable loan program. The program went like this. If I agreed to hire five daycare attendants, and keep them for a minimum of six months, I would receive $25,000. It was a loan, but if I met the six month period and hired these people, the loan would be forgiven. Yeah. Now between you and I, that's a grant, but it wasn't written like a grant, it was written like a loan. So that's one example, and a forgivable loan is usually found if you're gonna do job creation. If you're gonna come and do job creation, Usually that's one of the strategies we're going to look for to help support you with some funding. Right. And the re- just so listeners understand that the reason why they do it that way is because they want to make sure you meet the criteria. So the incentive, you know, if you don't, exactly. then, then theoretically you need, to, you, need, you need to pay it back so that, you know, that, that's the way they help ensure you meet it. And then what happens is uh, just a little, get, get a legal, little legal tax thing in there. Um, unless it's uh, unless it's like from the government, it's under some taxes and program. Normally what happens is you don't pay any tax when you get the money because it's a loan. But then if once it's forgiven, then it becomes uh, right income to you and you, and you, you taxed on it unless it's pursuant to some program that might be, you know, exempt from taxation. So exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Another program I, um, that you will love, it was, it's, it's happening in some, some States. It's actually happening in Atlanta right now. It happened in Oregon. So we're seeing this happen. So if you're not, if it's not happening in your state, don't panic, but I love it. It's this, these new opportunities where they're giving small businesses the opportunity for uh, commercial ownership. To get into commercial ownership, as you know, is really difficult for most small businesses, especially if they are not at a, you know, a certain threshold. You know, usually you have to put 20% down. The interest is, 
you know, fairly high for them. So uh, I was very privileged to get into a program where it was incredible because I didn't have to have collateral, which is insane. I didn't have to have great credit. The variables was I had to be either a woman, a minority, or an immigrant, which I was. Mm -hmm. I had to be in business for a couple of years, which I was. And I had to show that I was doing something with impact in our community, which of course I was. So for the last 10 years, I have owned, so I own a commercial, beautiful commercial office, about 2,000 square feet valued at 800,000. I put 6% down instead of 20. That's all I required. And the interest has been fixed now for 10 years at 0.04%. Not 4%, everyone. 0.04%. Love it. Love it. So this is what I mean about finding the advocates or what I call, I like to say I'm part of the good mafia, finding the people in the good mafia who are going to help you find these resources, find these opportunities. And then all it really looks like is targeting it and putting a funding calendar together so we can make sure you're going to apply for these opportunities. You know, it's interesting because talking about non, you know, you mentioned nonprofits before and a lot of these aren't available, but you come from that world. You know, this is something development people do in nonprofits is a regular thing, right? Because that's how they, you know, I I, I mean, and and some nonprofits are moving now to have more earned income because the funding cycle is not sustainable. That's a whole separate topic. But in general, the traditional way is that they have some development officer who looks at all of the the funding, uh, you know, grant money, et cetera, available for nonprofits out there. They put together a funding account. They put together, mm-hmm. you know, they do proposals mm-hmm. and they, and that's, you know, but, but it's, it's much, uh, you know, more unusual or much less usual by far for any, for small businesses to think about doing that. You're a thousand percent correct. It is very unusual and, you know, nobody is, you know, done this, um, which is why probably McGraw-Hill wanted to work with me. And I am, you know why I'm, I'm so excited and yet so frustrated because I don't want businesses to keep suffering. I, I, you know, at some point in life, I don't know, it's different for everyone else, but at some point, if you make it, whatever make it means for you, in my life, I feel like I've made it. And you make it, you have enough money, you have freedom, you have your family, and all you want to do is help other people make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, I, I say that to the people all the time. For me, it's about impact and service. And that's what drives my life. That's what's driven it for a long, long time. And, and the thing is this, you know, and I do want to say this because it's, um, it, when you have impact on people and you make a difference with people, you get taken care of. So it's not a matter of being right. some selfless, uh, you know, uh, right. the monk living in a hovel, you know, the way money in the universe works, folks, is that, you know, if, if you really come from a service mentality and provide value to people, you'll be taken care of. And here's what I say. I love what you just said, because it gives me an opportunity to share. I tell people all the time, I live by two currencies. I live by the currency that we consider the dollar or depending on, you know, the exchange right. if I'm somewhere else. And I live by the currency of what I call karma dollars. Yes. And karma dollars for me is far more powerful because if I create one karma dollar, that is a hundred times coming back to me in ways I could never imagine. So I live by that philosophy every single day. 
I love that, Kim. Uh, and you and I are totally, <laughs> totally aligned there. Um, so w- what else, uh, if anything, what, any other big things people should know about, you know, this, this world and, and, uh, and the opportunities? Wow, 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 wow. So the other thing is, is we're hearing it a lot um, because my book is literally like a GPS, like a do-it-yourself Home Depot program. But people say, what if I don't want to do it myself? Yep, yep. Um, so we are actually building a database called the, it's going to be a target funding report plan where people can come online, put in their variables, as long as their variables are solid, as long as we know exactly their variables for their business, exactly their variables personally, we will create a customized target funding plan report for them. Then they'll have it dialed in and then all they have to do is execute on it. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, and, and listeners, we're, uh, we're recording this a little earlier, but uh, this uh, podcast is going to launch in, in, in mid-July. I think it's the 17th. I think mm-hmm. your book your book will have just come out a couple of days yes. before that. Is that right? The 15th? That is correct. Uh, and then uh, is this is this online tool going to be live at that point or is that will come down yes. the line a little bit? No, nope. okay. our goal is to have it live by, you know, by then. That is what we're working really hard for. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what, what, what a great, so, so, so listen, why don't we, uh, I, I usually give people an opportunity. It's actually a good segue. Um, so where do people go to find out more information about that tool, your book, yourself, all that kind of stuff? Well, first of all, they can go to you, right? So I always want to honor my, the people that are interviewing me. Um, you can easily go to, um, my first and last name. So that's my website, kedmao.com or targetfunding.com, or I am on LinkedIn all the time, as you know, because I love wearing my capes all the time. So you can find me there. I am really um, approachable. In fact, um, I do have an amazing team who markets and supports me, but my LinkedIn, I am the one that responds. So if you send me a LinkedIn, you will get me (laughs) because I want to be committed to that. That's no question. And I'm, I'm I'm amazed. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Kev is a superhero in many ways, and she, she's a superhero with how active she manages to be on LinkedIn with everything else. That she, I thought it, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. She she makes me look, look like a slacker. Um, so, uh, and, and folks, uh, any of those, you know, if you happen to be driving or whatever it is, and you didn't catch any of that, yeah, it's all going to be in the show notes. So just uh, you know, just go to the show notes, and you'll be able to get all uh, Kev's contact information. And again, uh, you know, uh, just yeah, just. Uh, Put put it in LinkedIn and you'll find it. I mean, she, you know, what I love is I I I, I do want to just shout out the videos. I mean, you know, frankly, uh, you see a lot of people on LinkedIn who have a lot of followers, but uh, you know, some of them I'm frankly not too impressed with their content. I don't know how they get all the mm. followers, you know. And I'm not looking to diss anybody. I'm not, you know, it's not. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not uh, like I, I'm pretty selective in the content that I spend time on because I have limited time. And uh, you know, and you know, kept this old cape thing sort of caught my eye, and 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 you know, and and you know, I'll be honest, I had a question like, who is this woman? What is this cape thing going on? You know, is this kind of cheesy, whatever? And then I sort of listened to a couple of her videos, and and in you know, it's amazing. She picks a topic, and in like three minutes or four minutes, whatever it is, just like hits it. It's it's really amazingly useful. It's fun. It's interesting. It's valuable content. Um, and you know, she and I'm really. I'm not just saying this. She does such a great job there. And if you're a small business owner, especially as somebody looking, aspiring to be one, um, you know, definitely, definitely check her out, her LinkedIn content out. And then obviously for our uh, entrepreneurs who are looking to grow inorganically, I mean, these funding sources, 
uh, you know, will help you with both organic and inorganic growth, right? If you get some, some mm-hmm. first, first of all, the funding is a deal, right? So that's why we're talking about it on the Fueling Deals podcast. And you can use that money for organic growth, marketing, hiring people, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, um, some of that, uh, you know, you may be able to, maybe you're not a place where you're going to do a big merger, but, um, you know, you can do a small, what we call aqua hire, where basically you're acquiring some small business by basically hiring the person. You know, and some of these funding sources can help with those kind of deals or some sort of strategic alliance and that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is really, really super valuable information. And I appreciate um, uh, you bringing it to us, Kedma. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate just being a part of this. Well, so I do have a final question for you before we let you go, uh, <laughs> okay. which is which is always, uh, you know, the only the only thing that's scripted in this podcast sort of is my first, uh, my opening <laughs> and my closing question that we just sort of roll in between. Um, but, but I'm particularly interested in your answer to this because it's something, uh, it's a big value of mine. And yeah, you, I, you know, you read my authentic negotiating book, so you know, authenticity is mm-hmm. a big value. And, and yeah. based on everything we've said already, uh, you know, it's clear to me that, uh, you know, this is something that resonates with you, but I want to hear your sort of experience and definition. So, you know, what I say is that um, uh, it's a real, you know, gift when we get to live our lives and, and make our business decisions and, uh, in a, you know, authentic alignment uh, with who we are. For me, authenticity is not about some external morals or ethics. It's, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about this alignment within a truth with ourselves, with who we know ourselves to be. And that's for me where the service comes from. So I'd love to hear your take on uh, authenticity and how it impacts the way you do business and live your life. To me, the the idea of authenticity lives and breathes in vulnerability. My vulnerability is my strength. In literally minutes of people meeting me, the first thing I ask in my, I think in my mind, and they don't know this, so now everybody who's listening will know what I'm thinking. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Here's what I'm thinking. This is really important so you'll know how I operate in the universe. I say to myself, how long will it take this person to unmask? Mm. Depending on how long it takes them will be whether or not they're going to be in my inner, inner circle or in my inner circle or in my outer circle. Mm. That is how succinct I am with the universe and vulnerability. You know, I've said I love that so many times on this on this, <laughs> on this interview, and, 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 and it's it's because I do, and it's uh, you know for me, um, you know, the conversation of vulnerability and business uh, yes. is a great one because you know traditionally uh, that mask was something you were supposed to have up in business, and you weren't supposed to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. I think that's changing significantly. I think, you know, different generations, you know, we've evolved our view of, of business. I think the conversation of authenticity and vulnerability is becoming much more uh, mainstream. It's the way I operate. And, uh, and you know, that, that, that's, you know, that excites me. So, um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, totally, I totally get it. I mean, you know, I, I related to, and you, yeah, and you were authentic on this. I mean, I, one of the things I do when I uh, talk in my authentic negotiating talks, and I talk, you know, in my book is a story of when I was in the verge of bankruptcy, you know, sleeping, right. sleeping on an air mattress, uh, you know, in right. my office. So, uh, you know, you and I speak the same language. Um, so, Kevin, listen, thanks again. Thank you. You brought an amazing value for our listeners. I really <laughs> appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. And thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals 
make a decision to do deals. And then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at fuelingdeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth. 